Hello everyone and welcome to Makers Happen, episode 2. Today we've got an interview with Richard Blank, the CEO of Costa Rica's call centre. So first, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Well, first, thank you so much, Ishan, for having me on the Make Careers Happen podcast. I'm very happy to be here today. And it is the first time I'm speaking with a host that is located in Dublin, Ireland. So this is extra special. But uh, yes, I'm currently the CEO of Costa Rica's call center. We're celebrating our 14th year. We're a nearshore to the United States bilingual call center, as you would say, a contact center. And so my agents here handle inbound calls and make outbound calls. And once again, I find them to be artists of speech. So I'm very impressed with the staff that we have at the center. I see. So can you tell us about your career, your journey, and like what happened along the way? One of my favorite questions, Ishan, it actually begins back in 1991 in Northeast Philadelphia when I graduated Abington High School. My favorite class was Spanish. So instead of my friends that were going to the university to study medicine and law, engineering and architecture, I decided to double down on a language. So I went to the University of Arizona and was a Spanish communication major. During college, I needed work experience. So I was an intern for Telemundo Spanish-speaking television station, and I did promotions and public relations. Post-grad, one of the first jobs I landed was with the importers of Corona beer, so I could use the Spanish that I learned, the sales that I had mastered, and I had a great job. And when I was 27 years old, I was given an opportunity to move to Costa Rica for just a couple months to work at my friend's call center. But when I came down here and I saw how amazing it was, I decided to stay. And so I worked with my friends for four years. I learned the business from the inside and out, Ishan. I didn't come in as a C-level executive. It wasn't about contracts and the finances. I sat with the people. So I got to see the good and the bad and the happy and the sad of being what it was like to be a call center agent. And so when I had my impulse control and some maturity and a little bit of money, in my mid-30s, I decided to throw my hat in the ring because I believe I discovered ways to enhance the experience for the agent and for also the client. I see. So... So for a third question, do you have any advice for the audience? I most certainly do. And one of the greatest things before you take your first step into being an entrepreneur or a business owner, Ishan, is to focus on the people that work with you. If you do not give an abundant amount of empathy and dignity to the people, they might not come back or they might not work as hard as you would like for them to do. And if nobody comes back to your company, you don't have a company. So besides getting excited for the title, for the money, for the big office and all the bells and whistles and rewards that come with starting a company, you really need to focus on the people because a lot of them have responsibilities. They take care of families and a lot of people depend on them. So as long as you give job stability and you put them on a level playing field so they can perform at their best, there's no reason why you shun that you, myself or anybody else could grow an amazing company. I see. So now we'll talk about three different topics. So for the first topic that we'll discuss is the conflict management strategy. Conflict management strategies. I think that's very important. You, my friend, at 14 years old, you're young and you're still developing, right, in regards to experiences and maturity. But there's no reason why that if you are in a situation, you can't act 
with manners and being polite and also being strategic is not to offend. And so for me, since we're making and receiving phone calls, a lot of the times the people could feel rushed, apprehensive, they could be annoyed, they could be confused and concerned. And so when I talking about conflict management, it's really about vocabulary and delivery. Let me give you an excellent example. Since English is the second language for the Costa Rican agent, I'm always encouraging them to expand their vocabulary. So we use a thesaurus so we can look at similes. So for an example, if I'm on the phone with you or even speaking with you, Ishan, instead of saying, how may I help you? I mean, that sounds okay, but then again, it might offend. I prefer to say, Ishan, what can I do to assist you, to guide you, or even lend, lend a hand because you're a friend? And so these are the sort of vocabulary that can reduce any sort of ego defense or any sort of rabbit holes, where, as I mentioned before, people could get offended. Let me give you another example. Let's just say we're making a phone call and there could be a baby in the background or a dog barking. What I prefer is to use a me too technique where I let you know how much I like children and how much dogs are amazing. And I always do a follow-up question, Yishan. I always ask you for an example, what's your dog's name? And you'll say fluffy. So inadvertently and passive aggressively, I'm kind of letting you know it's barking and, you know, we can almost not hear each other on the calls and then you'll put the dog outside and come back. And so instead of asking you to repeat yourself or excuse me, what did you say, Ishan? I, I would be saying more for my clarification, for my edification, Ishan, did you say one, two, three, or ABC? So once again, I'm falling on that sword. These are simple little things I can do to reduce any sort of stress or frustration on your end. And so when we're talking about conflict management, it's a lot to do with active listening, repeating, sometimes using people's names, but you can't use the name too much, Ishan, then it's an overkill. So I believe in pronouns by keeping your attention by saying your or are. And there's also certain trigger words that you could use in a sentence. So not everything sounds monotone and you're not speaking either too fast or too slow. And pauses could be used strategically for emphasis or allowing somebody like yourself, Ishan, to give me a positive or a negative reinforcement to what I'm talking about. So instead of assuming that you agree with everything or that we're on the same page, I almost need checkpoints with you, Ishan, just to ensure that all the points that I'm making either A, make sense, you agree with it, or there might be something that you might need to add or to clarify. And so my friend, any sort of conflict management, it's not about me and you fighting or yelling at each other. No, we're reducing any sort of miscommunication. And we're also being not exceptionally polite where it's uncomfortable, but you're just making sure once again, you're taking other people's um, time and feelings and thoughts into consideration. Does that make any sort of sense? Yeah, it does. And I actually really like that advice. You're going to get in less trouble with your parents if you do things like that by asking mom and dad for your clarification. Do I need to go to bed at 10 or 12? You know? Yes, yeah, so I think that's great advice for, for everyone in the audience. What was that again? Oh, so I think that's great advice for everybody in the audience. Oh, sure. Sure. And as I'm saying, I'm not going to teach you how to lie 
That's not what I'm looking to do today, Jean. Yeah. I, I don't want to compromise your ethics, values, or morals, but you being 14 with your extensive vocabulary and your audience doesn't know the amount of work that you put into this podcast because, young man, you and I communicated at least a dozen times before this podcast. You were locking in the time. Yeah. You wrote me questions, following it up with a very professional business email. Yeah. And I just was just... It really a teenager because you're, it's not like you're acting as an adult, but I believe that you're taking this Make Careers Happen podcast very seriously. And so by reaching out to you, it doesn't matter your age. It matters about how professional you are. And the fact that at your age, at 14, you are creating a successful podcast, I like your work. I wanted to spend time with you today and share ideas. It really says something about your character. And what I'm looking to do is to add wind in your sails. Because, young man, you speak for your generation. You speak for many. And I've never had a chance to meet someone from your area of the world before. So through this technology, it gives you and I a chance, once again, to work with each other. And so I think that's fantastic. So hats off to you. Ishan from the work that you do and I very much look forward to your very bright career you're you're going to be doing some amazing things you keep this sort of momentum yeah because um, because in order to encourage someone to um, have interest in your idea it's best to show that you actually care oh you definitely do but but I will say this though I don't know who taught you how to write these sort of emails or to have this sort of let's just say business ethics, where you communicate with people before the end of business, or I have to say something, you're in real time, you'll return an email within minutes. And a lot of people, instead of waiting and getting frustrated, if it's good news or bad news or just a suggestion, you are really respecting people's time. And so by showing up on time and doing these sort of things, you will be considered almost by default much more before other people that just not take that into consideration. Yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, because I think if I have a good response time and overall have a good ethic, the person is less likely to be discouraged. Wouldn't that be considered conflict management, Isha? Yeah, it would. And, and, and isn't that a ripple effect? Because if you're late, then other things could go bad from that too, like a domino effect. Yeah, true. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Well, excellent. What other questions do you um, have? So for the second topic we'll discuss, it will be the phonetic micro-expression readings. Thank you for bringing that up. And Ishan, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And after about three weeks of practice, it becomes habit. When you look at people, you're able to gauge their micro-expression readings. You can tell when someone's smiling, frowning, what they do with their body language and their spacing, and if they're using a self or an object adapter, you know, in regards to nervousness or, or because of excitement. But since we're on the phone, what happens, Ishan, is that we're losing three of our senses. You're losing your taste, touch, and smell. Now, the scientists say that if you happen to lose one or more of your senses, your other ones will increase. 
So I know that your hearing should be at least double to triple the amount. You should be doing some serious active listening. But then again, Ishan, you're probably going to make the argument, well, Richard, I can't really see somebody over a phone call. Well, then I'll say, well, Ishan, what about metaphysics? What about, what about image streaming? Don't tell me that when you read a book that it wasn't better than the movie because of using your imagination. So besides doing the active listening, you should be expanding your descriptions and your adjectives to people, which will then illuminate your points. Okay, so the phonetic micro expression reading phonetics, that's the sound of speech. Semantics are your word choice, but your phonetics. Phonetics, Ishan, is broken down into four different sections. You have your tone, your rate, your pitch and duration, your tone of voice, which you and I both have. And this should always be consistent. Your tone should always be empathetic and confident. So you're always showing compassion, but backing it up with bravado and confidence. Now, where's this micro expression reading come from? It comes from a mirror imaging technique, mirror imaging. What I want you to do is to match somebody's speed and speaking level every 30 seconds to two minutes because I believe that is the average length of an attention span. So if you're on a 10 minute conversation, 20 times, you could be analyzing someone's rate and pitch, not the words they use or not even the tone, but how fast and how loud they go. Why do we do this Ishan? Well, let's just say that you're consistently speaking a certain way, but then all of a sudden something you say could have someone speak louder, softer, faster, or slower. That to me is considered a spike or a dip. My suggestion for you and your audience is to then ask a tie down or a pin down question. There are certain times, Ishan, I could ask you if it makes sense or sounds good. These are checkpoints. Now, your tone, your rate, and your pitch could still be manipulated. You've seen people be defiant. They've held their ground. But Ishan, if you're really looking to see the true tell sign of somebody, if they're being facetious, or possibly they might need to clarify it for you again without calling them out for lying. My suggestion is to focus on their answering speed because that is something that is subconscious. As I mentioned before, Ishan, you and I could easily control our tone, how fast we speak and how loud we speak. But don't tell me that you can match every time, 10 out of 10, your answering speed. So that's more of the congruence where the audio is matching the visual on that. So that is something that people should be analyzing every 30 seconds to two minutes. And so if you do apply these phonetic microexpression reading techniques, you will be once again managing that conflict management and clarifying things for people. Now, there is something that I would suggest it's positive escalations. It's got nothing to do with microexpression reading, but this could assist you in giving you a better read because you need to read somebody and it could be a first time. And also, once again, you don't know these people. So who knows if that's exactly their personality, but if you could get them in a certain relaxed state where they act more natural, then your analysis of them will be more clear. Let's say hypothetically, Isan, that you are calling a company to book 
something for your podcast, you're working with a company. If you speak to a gatekeeper before getting transferred to a decision maker, you should always, once again, let them know that you'll be letting the owner of the company know how great they are. So when a call gets transferred, you could let me know that somebody that assisted you to get to me was amazing. And we call those positive escalations. You should do it verbally. And when you do a follow-up email, which you're excellent, you should be mentioning all the people that assisted you. And so when you call that company back, Ishan, and the person answers, not only are they going to remember you, but they're going to thank you so much yeah. for saying something kind about them to the owner of the company. And so, my friend, that's only going to add to your momentum. And so when you're speaking with people, they're not putting up a front. They're more natural. And that spike in analysis will be much more um, precise. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the second piece of great advice you've given. Including the, Thank you. all the other advice from the other questions. Overall, you've got the best advice I've seen. Well, you're getting my best. Yeah. And you deserve it. You're, you're the future leaders, yeah. not future leaders. You're a leader today. Yeah. And so what we're doing is we're just passing down yeah. what was taught to me from my grandparents and parents and giving it to you. Yep. Should we move on to the third topic or are, or are you not done yet? Oh, we're good to go. Yeah, sure. Third topic's fine. Okay. So let's see. Wait, is it the famous... Oh, it's the famous buffer boomerang technique. The famous buffer boomerang technique from Costa Rica to Ireland. Awesome. Yeah. The buffer boomerang technique. Okay. Ishan, sometimes someone's going to ask you a question. Like, let's just say hypothetically, you're calling into a company and someone says, what is your name? Well, sometimes they could have a negative tone to it. So I think you should always buffer a negative tone. You should name drop somebody, Ishan. You should let them know that's an excellent question. Repeat the question, my name is, and return it in a positive way, yeah. Richard Blank. So for an example, you would, I would call your company. Someone answers the phone and says, make careers happen. And I go, hey, how's make careers happen doing today? So usually what I'd like to do is use my anonymity and ask how a company is doing, not you directly. But then that's when someone would say, what is your name? Ishan, that's an excellent question. My name is Richard Blank. So it shows active listening. You're doing a name drop. You can't say that's an excellent question every time. You could say, I'm glad you brought that up. Wonderful. We're discussing that. There are certain ways to buffer a negative tone, name drop, bring it back, repeat the question, and reset the tone of a call in a positive way. There's no reason why you can't reset something. There shouldn't be any sort of negative escalations where people start screaming, yelling, and cursing at each other. Someone might need to learn their manners. Someone might need to be a little more polite. Even though they may be older than you, it doesn't matter. There's a very good way, young man, that you could answer them in a certain polite and diplomatic way to almost teach them a lesson that Ishan will answer your question. You're not going to yell at me like a teacher in school where they're going to say, what's your name? Richard Blank. How old are you? No, 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 no. You're not in trouble. This isn't some sort of uh, interrogation lecture. Somebody needs to respect your space and your time. 
And by buffering a negative tone, boomeranging it back, repeating their question and showing them the right way to do it, don't be surprised that eventually the conversation sways towards your style. Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, that's an, that's excellent advice. So, oh, so are you done with the third topic? Yeah, for the buffer boomerang. And as I mentioned before, it comes into, oh, you know, you know what? Let me, let me share okay. one more with you. Sure. Like someone will ask my name and I'll do the boomerang. And then a lot of the times, like you've done today, they'll say, Richard, what do you do? And then I would say, Ishan, I'm so glad that you brought that up. This is exactly what we do. And then I would mention them. This is what some people do, Ishan. I call it desert pitching, where you just talk for so much, there's no oasis where you can't drink and rest. So if you're going to be explaining what Make Careers Happen does or all the different businesses you're involved in and projects you are, just don't give me a laundry list, Ishan. Present it almost like a dessert tray when you bring each one out, describe it, and give it a pause to see if there's a reaction to it. And what happens is when you give your entire list of everything that Make Careers Happen does, you could almost be brazen enough to say, I'm sure you'd like at least one, Richard. <laughs> so of course I like at least one out of the 10 things you mentioned. Yeah. And then what you do is instead of having it as a horizontal, then you take that one answer into a vertical and you start stacking open-ended questions like you've been doing. So what do you like about it? How do you see using it with your company? Where do you see the savings? And so instead of asking yes and no questions, once you can anchor in somebody with a topic that they like, hold off on mentioning other things. Move it from a horizontal to a vertical like a skyscraper. And just as you do, and you do it so well, Sean, you ask those open-ended questions because I know what I know. I'd like to know what you know. And if I do that, then I can adjust our conversation accordingly. Yep. So, um, so, so now I'm going to just ask like a bunch of short questions. Yeah. Cool. So I'll just, so I'll just start asking any questions I can think of now. All right. Go for it. So if there was anything you could change in your career, what would it be? Sorry, something happened. But we'll just continue from the, the from from where we left off. So can you? So can you wait? No. So if there's anything in your career you could change, would it be anything in my career? Would I change? What would it be? What I'd like to do is is have more fast tracking for promotion in my company. We only once again promote from within. But I'd like. What I wish I did before was to delegate more responsibilities for brand new agents that were coming in and be able to test them a lot faster to see their sort of additional skill sets that they have and sort of leadership that they have. So it's not like they're going to be doing heavy reports or, you know, classroom training. But if there's somebody there that is excellent for shadowing, for coaching, assisting me in script writing and doing some role playing then once again, I could see that these individuals have this sort of spark and then you just add to that sort of talent and then you kind of would see where things grow from there. I see. Okay, so what is an inspirational quote that has inspired you? Fortune favors the brave. Because if you never leave your castle, 
Ishan, you'll never slay a dragon. If you never do that, you never save the princess. And so it's very important for people to be brave because a lot of the times there'll be some naysayers and gray believers, people that will say no and oh, but they just don't K-N-O-W enough about your vision quest and where you're going. And so I think someone should always hold firm. They should go the distance. I don't believe in jumping in, you know, head first into certain brand new endeavors. You should always do your due diligence and you should test things before making huge life and career changes. But if you have this intuition, if you have these sort of, I don't know, chills from time to time because you know you're doing the right thing and there's some major anticipation of something good that's about to happen, obviously the stars may become aligned and the wind might be in your sails. And so no one ever really told me that this career in Costa Rica was going to happen. I kind of just fell into it at 27. But Ishan, you and I both know that there's these one in a million opportunities that may cross your path. And you have to take them because high risks equal high rewards. And there's also, once again, a safety net. I could have always clicked my heels and come home and got a job in the United States and continued my life. But there are destinies for people. And by you starting this Make Careers Happen podcast and reaching out with people all over the world and really making a very good name for yourself, there's no reason why that's not going to come back in one shape or another. And so I, I believe in those certain personal journeys that we all take. And, and don't kid yourself. It's more of a forced march. If you think it's easy, then you're sadly mistaken. When you really, really want something, and you know this too, you go the distance and you give it your all. And when you're off camera and you're out of school and you're not with your friends, you're still practicing. You're still getting better at your game. And it's the one thing I don't think that will ever deter you from your goal. And so anybody that has that sort of drive, determination, and motivation, I cannot help but respect them for it. And if there's any way that I can add to that sort of feeling and momentum, then, then it's my pleasure to assist in them achieving their goals. Okay, so I'll ask, um, so I'll ask uh, two more questions and, can, um, and then I guess I'll be done for this episode. Okay. All right, so let's see. So, so, what's in, so what's one book that has inspired you? Well, my favorite book, it's an old book. It was written in 1933 by Harvey Allen. It's called Anthony Adverse. It's actually it's 1,234 pages. So if you're going to read it, it's going to take a while. But um, I read that when I was 21 years old. And it took me a little while, but I was at a really good period of my life when I was doing that. I, I spent my junior year abroad, Ishan. So I, I lived in Europe for a year, two semesters, and I stayed over Christmas break. And so when I was in Spain mastering Spanish, I was able to travel over Christmas break as far east as Prague, as far south as Corfu, Greece, at the Pink Palace. I went to Amsterdam and Holland and also to Tangier, Morocco. And when I was sitting on these Eurail trains and having at least 55-minute conversations with people from all over the world, I realized one thing. 
that a lot of the stuff that we hold dear in the United States or we hold uh, such valor and high esteem really didn't matter when you moved out of the country. It was really more of your essence. So this book that I was reading of Anthony Adverse was a young man that was a dreamer and that traveled the world and, and was, I guess, a classic romantic and believed in himself and really had a lot of coming-of-age moments, moments where you beat up a bully or saved a kitten from the tree or when you could look at yourself in the mirror and not only be amazed, but exceptionally proud of the sort of courage that got you to where you are that day. And so I guess I could relate very much to this young man in the 18th century that was just fighting against his own values and the love of his life he was trying to win and, and traveling the world. And so to me, that really brought a lot of the uh, passion for life I'll share something else too. Right. When I was traveling Europe during those two months and during Christmas break, a lot of young men and women at these youth hostels would say, hey, Richie, let's go to the bars. Let's go party. Let's go run to the beach for a minute. And, and I was going to go. And, and, and of course, I'm, I'm going to have a good time. But Ishan, I made sure to go to every museum, to every beautiful building and church and structure that I could see because there's always times to raise your glass and have a good time and, and, you know, and enjoy, but you're in a certain area of the world where there's so much history and culture. And by having an open mind and learning about that, all it did, my friend, was, was enrich my life and, and made me able to be an expatriate from the United States and to acclimate and integrate myself in other countries and parts of the world seamlessly. Because as we both know, a smile is universal. Sharing food is universal. Being polite is universal. And if I could just bring the best of myself wherever I was going, I believe that I would be received in the most favorable way. I see. So should we move on to the final question? The final question, Ishan. Yes. You've done great today in your interview. Yes, so What's I your final question? This is probably going to be an extremely hard question for you. So it's oh. going to be... So, so let's say if you woke up tomorrow, okay, and you had all the experience and the journey you have today, but everything that you've built upon in your life was gone. How would you go on to rebuilding your life Well, that, that's very simple. You could take away everything from me, but you're not taking away my essence of who I am as a man and who I am as a person. And so a lot of this stuff, is, as mentioned, could be material or financial. And if that represents somebody, that's fine. But then again, as you say, it could be taken away. It could be increased and decreased. But if I were able to make it at the stage... As Richard, I could easily do it again. But if it's something, as you say, my friend, that's got taken away from me, there's a, there's a larger lesson to that, to what was taken away. It's really what I have. And so if one of my chapters in life, Ishan is getting knocked down, then maybe the second chapter of my life would be how I pick myself back up. So let's just look at it as physics. You're talking about something that was reduced, but then again, an action creates a reaction. Possibly this experience that you say could push me back 
could actually propel me forward more than you could ever imagine. Okay, so is that the end of your answer? Well, I guess, but yeah, but I mean, if I had to do something over again, I guess I wouldn't be taking any sort of loans out. I wouldn't be having any other business partners to put that sort of pressure on me. Yes. And I would be banking on my reputation and referrals for people to, again, potentially assist me, guide me, or give me any sort of uh, wind in my sails to start moving forward again. Yes. So um, I guess it's the end of this episode. I guess. So we'll wrap this up. Ishan, I can't thank you enough. I, I really enjoyed being a guest on Make Careers Happen. Yeah. And thank you very much for taking the time today for you and your audience. All right, everyone. This is the end of this episode. So I'll see you all in the next episode. Goodbye.